Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we examine movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always on my bloody hammered quest for revenge by my friend and co-host, Odesu. Oh, sorry. My name's Alex Tandino. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be Ode Sue. <laughs> so this is uh, the very last film for our The Pod Takes Revenge theme. Uh, the fan voting was heated. It was between Kill Bill and Old Boy. They actually ended in a tie. We went Old Boy. It's like once you've already done Lady Snowblood, Kill yeah. Bill loses a little bit of its pizzazz, yeah, Kill, right? Kill Bill's uh, turned down a little bit. Yeah, so... Old Boy, I don't know. After rewatching it, I think is easily the greatest revenge film of all time. <laughs> yeah, I really don't think there's any comparison. Like the movie just Oh god. Like it's it's amazing cuz it's revenge on like a couple of levels. It's like revenge for revenge because of revenge. Like it's Yeah. It's well, this is what we talked about this whole theme, right? Is the different kinds of revenge and the way revenge affects the people seeking it. Yeah. Often the the wake, right, of carnage, of revenge. Yeah. I don't think any movie lays uh, lays into the concepts of peripheral and collateral damage more than this movie. Yeah, this movie um, is about the price of revenge through and through. Like, we talked a bit about it a little right. bit with Lady Snowblood, but because you see it sort of weighing on her occasionally, this movie is much more about like old boy is about the price that revenge, like the price that revenge costs. That's what it's about. Right. But in lady snowblood, the slight difference is there's almost a moment where in actually all of them, right? Billy Jack has this too. There's slight moments where you feel like the person seeking revenge is getting some kind of catharsis out of it. Yeah. Um, this one, despite a couple unusual and very awkward toothy grins, um, there's none of that. And you don't even buy that this is like a, oh, this is helping my soul. Yeah. <laughs> no, this movie is through and through just like, it's, it's the purge of evil in your, it's like, it's like the black bile that comes up when you are sick. Like, like it's the black bile of the, of, 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 if revenge is a body, it is the black bile that comes up as the body's like dying. That's what. This yeah, this is. is the last thing. There's nothing left in your system. This yeah. is. <laughs> That's what. The, uh, yeah. No, Roger Ebert had a great quote um, that I found in researching this, and it's "Old Boy" is a powerful film not because of what it depicts, but because of the depths of the human heart which it strips bare. And to me, this is maybe the best. I mean, Roger Ebert is obviously always one of the best film writers. Um, but what he says in this is intro because it's so easy to get waylaid by the hammer and the incest and the taboos that this movie attacks at times. Sure. Um, there's a lot of interesting stylistic choices. At times it almost plays kind of like Amelie in a way. Uh, but this this movie, what it does more than anything else is it, it sinks the audience all the way down. We we lit, we hit the most fucking broken and depraved and saddest parts of this human experience we all share, and we're just we're forced to fucking sit there in really long, uncomfortable, uh, uncut takes where you're just like you just fucking sit in this stank and think about what you've done as a species. No, it's exactly what it is. Like this movie, and I mean, it even starts there. Like that's the that's the crazy thing too is. I think you put it best when you say like it sinks the audience in because we start 
where Odesu starts. Like that's where the movie begins. We have no context, no like there's no way to know why things are happening. And I think that's what makes that's what makes the movie so visceral and uh, just to begin with. Like the movie it imprints on your soul because you're sitting there watching this you have no idea why this guy is being thrown into where he's being thrown. You just know he was drunk and now he's being fucking thrown into like a hotel room and being locked in there. And that's it. Well, there's there's this great opening shot. He's actually holding a man who's holding a dog. He's got him by the tie as the guy's about to fall over the building. Yeah. Right. And it's who are you? And he starts out. My name is and it's a hard cut. Right. This kind of unkempt, you know, grizzly looking man. Right, who's been through some shit, and we cut back to this doughy, clean-cut businessman, right? Yeah. Who's kind of having a freak-out in a police station, this and that. And it's this immediate visual telling you of, oh, man, this guy's been through some shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like just immediately you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> Not old boy, oh, boy. Yeah, because you, so, see, you see the first <laughs> shot, and then you see him then, and you're like, Something terrible is about to happen to this guy, isn't it? Like, there's right. no way something terrible is not going to happen. Well, there's this great introductory line that becomes... This is one of those movies that it gets better the more you watch it because you, you find all these other, like, breadcrumbs along the way. Yeah. Um, But he starts off, you know, Odesu, and he says, uh, my name means getting through one tough day at a time. And you're, <laughs> you don't realize how fucking incredible that line is until you've fucking gone through this experience with him. But yeah, so they so he gets bailed out. He goes and he calls his daughter. It's his birthday. He has these little angel wings for her. Yeah. Next thing you know, there's this beautiful shot of this overhead touch of evil style crane shot, right? That just drops down on the street. Mm. And on the street is a red arrow with an X in between it. And we see the bag with the wings. He's been abducted, right? We yeah. don't know why. Cut to he's just sticking his face out of this little open door. You know, who am I? What have you done? Why am I in here? Right. Ah, it's been two months. Ah. And we see him panicking, and then immediately we set into this this monotone uh, explanation, right, through voiceover, where he's just like, had I known I'd been in here for 15 years, would it have made it harder or less hard? And you're like, 15 fucking years. Yeah, you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> there are years of hard labor going on here. It's Well, it's insane because they put you in this fucking room with them, right? And you start to see, like, he's he's looking at this painting. You know, if if you laugh, the world laughs with you. If you cry, you cry alone. And he's mimicking the, the weird toothy grin, this fucking grimace. Ugh. And you can tell he's going mad. He's losing his hair, this and that. These people come in and knock him out. They shave him. He's obsessed with television. He's like, this is my clock and my friend, my calendar, my lover. Right. Uh, we see him at one point try to kill himself. And they they knock him out and drag him, few times, drag him back and few save times, him. A few times he tries to kill himself. It's it's fucking. But you're just you're put in this world of just. And and it what's amazing is how quickly they normalize it for us, the audience, yeah. right? Because Ode Sue starts going through it, and he's like, um, you know, he starts the the tattoos. He's gonna tattoo himself mm-hmm. for every year, and then he gets the third chopstick, and he's gonna Shawshank his way out, right? Right. Um, but when he hits that phase, we see him settle in in a weird way. And he starts fighting the wall. I'm going to train. We, we see him all of a sudden hardened and with purpose. Right. And so, it lets us, the audience, sit. And he kind of, in voiceover, is just asking us these big, big picture questions, right? right? So as we're watching this very, 
And this is something the movie does constantly, right? Where it's these very long just takes where it's essentially, and we're pulled back in a way. A lot of it plays kind of very distant, almost Wes Anderson, right? Like a stage production mm-hmm. where it's like, just watch this fucking bit of depravity from afar. You know, right. almost like a godlike perspective for us to just sit and ponder the big questions as we see this kind of futility and sadness of humans. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, this movie is so important. Like, as an, like, it's int- it's different to watch. Like, as an American, like, as someone from the States watching this movie, I think the thing that I always find most important is the visual metaphors that occur. Like, that painting to me is so important throughout the movie. Like, that whole vibe and the way that it looks is what I think to me drives sort of the emotional core is everything has this sort of green tone. And then, I mean, really like you were talking about that crane shot earlier. It's just, to me, there's so much of the movie that's, and this is something that I think Park Chan-wook does in all the vengeance movies is he really references manga and really references. I mean, in this case now source material, but again, like, I think he references a lot of the time manga and the way things are framed from the uh, from certain comics because he knows the visual metaphor is going to be that much more important and that much more impactful later on. Like everything about this movie is about the way things are framed. That's I that's to, that to me is probably the most important part about the movie. Is well, they they do this shot constantly, which I fucking adore. Right, you get it in the hallway scene. You get it at the end when he gets to confront his captor. Yeah. And there's this shot where they put the the face, they put someone's face way up in the fucking foreground, right? Extreme close up, almost grotesquely close of these people. Right. And then in the background, you see kind of the, the target and wake of their revenge, right? Because everyone's kind of looking for their own revenge in the movie. Yeah. Right? So whether it's, you know, a close up of Daesu where he's smiling and there's the carnage of the hammer behind or yeah you know ode sue saying i figured it out and you see the guy you know up close like he knows it's only just begun mm-hmm. but this this constant bringing someone so fucking close that we're almost sitting in their fucking brain yeah as we see the rest of the world kind of falling apart or grasping at straws trying to make sense right. of this person's journey for revenge um, it's really cool, and, and you hit on it too. Like the the red arrow, the red suitcase. That painting is very red. Mm-hmm. So there's this this kind of vibrant, um, almost blood, right? Oh yeah. So when he gets out, he's in a suitcase. When he's captured, there's the the red um, the painting. It to me, it's this. And he they do that a lot with him too. When they'll they'll look at Odesu and he's he's bleeding somewhere, right? Right. And to me, it's this weird. To me, I saw that as these these are moments of life in a weird way, even if it's people's huh. life being destroyed. Yeah. You know, it's this it's this bright necessary color to be like, oh, these aren't uh characters in the matrix, right? With the green. This is right. here's this fucking flare of color. This is an important moment in life. This is an important uh bit of humanity. Yeah. In a movie where almost everyone is constantly stripped of any no, totally. seeming humanity. I mean, I think that Park Chan Wok's control over like the contrast in this movie, because that's another thing that I noticed right up front is like the contrast of dark to light is so fascinating. Like he does so many hard cuts of like almost. I mean, uh, the shot when he's holding the guy over the balcony, the first the beginning of that shot is literally just a straight shot into the like 
clearness of the sky. And it's not blue either. It's like this hazy white. And you're and like you almost have to take a second to readjust with your eyes until you realize. You know what's what that does on. though? That's it's like a birth. Exactly. It's, like, it's really he's cool. Now, he's now out, but that whole sequence is fuck. And this is the other thing this movie does is this movie. Uh, we talked about this as Robert McKee thing, I think, right? That audiences don't care about anything else but the big moments. That's what we all remember, right? Uh, this movie does big moments as good as any movie that's ever been made. Oh yeah. Uh, I love. And this isn't a big one, but it's just, it's so, I, I'm remiss. I'm bad at remembering actor names, but the lead actor just fucking, he gives this fucking performance that is so vast in the emotions that he covers. Yeah. What I love about that scene is he comes out and he sees another person for the first time in 15 years, like a real person. Right. And there's this moment of him starting to cry as he touches the person. Right? Just mm-hmm. touching him. And then, oh, this is the part I love. He grabs the guy's hand and puts it on his own face. Almost like, now I need you to know that I'm real. Right, right. Right? And then he starts repeating the guy because he's like, it's a conversation. It's so fucking fascinating, right? And this right. is a guy who's about to kill himself. As as Ode Sue is reborn into the light, this guy's like, I just want to die. It's actually one of the funniest little bits in the movies. <laughs> he's like, I have to tell you my tragic story of the last 15 years. And then the guy's like, well, let me tell you why I'm going to kill myself. He's like, no, fuck that. And he just leaves. And then the guy jumps off the building and kills himself. You're like, holy shit. So even as we have this most human moment, this most human connection, it still ends in one guy being like, ah, fuck it. I'll kill myself. The movie never fucking gives you that sweet moment without some kind of immediate harsh retribution. Yeah. It, uh, it's. Yeah, I think that's probably the weirdest part about the movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. Like, it's just like, it's a shock to your system. There's never like a, there's never like a quiet moment that's not punctuated by something brutal. Like, even that, like the sushi restaurant that's punctuated by the like audacity of him just like putting a live octopus in his mouth. You're like, Whoa. Holy shit. Yeah. But this that's one of those like moments you're like, what the fuck? He just goes in after he's just beat these guys up. Like, can my imaginary training work? Fucking beats the shit out of these five guys after he steals one of their cigarettes. He goes in, a little blood on his face. He's like, I would like to eat something alive. Yeah. Or I, eat something I, living. I, I, I want to eat, like, I I eat a living fuck. thing. And it's just, it's fucking madness. And then, yeah, we get the, he's been given a phone. Right, so now not only is he saying that, but he wants to talk. He gets to talk to his captor finally. Right. Um, and this is the it's. I, this is the hard thing about this movie is this is the highest of high concept, but I don't know that there's any high concept movie that pays off the concept better than this movie. And it's it's so strange, but it's these moments like this, like him just on the phone with his captor, and how mundane that moment is played. Right. There's no ominous like dun dun dun. You know we're not we're not cutting to the inspector gla- gadget claw shot. It's just this. It's seemingly so normal. Yeah. It's, it's just this plain cell phone. Like it, it that's strikes it. you as yeah. You're like this most fucking insane thing. And this is something. I mean, a lot of people think about this, right? Like, is it is it actually more humane to just kill someone than to put them in prison for life? This and that. Um. And when we see what he goes through, you're like, yeah, maybe it would have been better if he was dead. And the guy, the phone call is just so like, 
uh, I'm a scholar. I'm a scholar in you. Like, I study you. I know everything about you. It's almost like a loving to him. Yeah. It's this it's, very gaslighting kind of moment. And then he, this is when he drops the, the quote, right? A grain of sand or rock and water, they both sink. And so you're like, now you're just dropping, like, cryptic bullshit on me? <laughs> After what you fucking did? There's right. no, fuck you, I, I'm going to put you back in the hole, I'm coming for you, how dare you get out? Yeah. Because he let the guy out. This, I mean, it's, it's, right. this, it's such a fucking surreal moment. This, this whole fucking way this opening plays out is just, it, it, it befuddles you. Yeah. And it puts you in this weird kind of emotional limbo that so few movies ever pull off. Yeah, I just it's it's one of those things where you're watching the movie and this kind of thing. Yeah, I I don't th- I think the first time I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, why is this guy playing games like this? Like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> like this guy got out. This guy clearly escaped. And now he's coming after you. Like, why would you want to be like coy or twee about the whole thing? Like fucking go after like I'd catch this guy and throw him right back in. But it's it's like that kind of thing. That maybe by the second time you hear the phone call, you're like, oh, this is on purpose. Like, that's the create. That's the thing is like, yeah, it's the delivery on high concept. That's all it really is. Like, that's well, it's it's the weird moment that you when you see him come out of that suitcase after he's trying to escape, by the way, he's like, I'll be out in a month. Right. He gets out in the suitcase and it doesn't fully settle on you. The the mystery and this comes back later in the movie of why let him go. You know, what I mean, like you don't fully. Yeah. This one really is probably the most complicated revenge plot of all time. <laughs> and uh, they really just, they play it very fucking slow. Yeah. And, and so we as the audience are always, there's no one who saw this movie and is like, oh, I was 10 steps ahead of that. I knew exactly. What right. Exactly. I think that's like, <laughs> that's like one of the, it's the rare occasion where you've watched a movie and you're like, well, I did not expect that to happen at all. Not even close. Like, I don't, and I, this is another thing. I'm not sure if that's a cultural thing. Like, I hope it's. I hope. I hope it's not because I hope we all across the world were like, I did not expect that to happen. Like, no. My que- no. my question is like, is this is this common practice in uh, is this common practice in Korea where people like put people away for 15 years? Like, <laughs> all right, now come There's, after me. There is something to the the cultural element, right? Because I, I watch a lot of old uh, Asian, a lot of Japanese, especially right ghost films. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the movies are based on there. There is this cultural concept of I have one job. I am one thing. I do it to the best of my ability. My honor matters. My name matters. There's this this focus and drive and purpose that I think we as Americans often don't understand. Right. Because we're the country of freedom, American dreams. We can do whatever the fuck we want. We're all special. Right. And there's this like like I just watched this great. Uh, movie uh, K Don, I think it's called. Yeah. It's a series of four old uh, Japanese ghost stories, and like one guy is just like uh, a blind monk who plays this instrument, and he's like, "I'm I've learned this hundred plus part song, and that's what I do. That's what I." And it's like the fucking focus on task and purpose, right? I think it's something that yeah is is hard for us to fully comprehend the way that we understand it and bridge that kind of cultural like discipline that we lack right. is revenge. We can all fucking relate to hating someone so much. The difference is most American revenge movies are kind of like payback, right? Or falling down. Like, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad right now and I'm going to go fucking seek bloody violent retribution. Right. And that Ode Sue kind of has that mindset when he escapes 
The captor, though, is playing this fucking much deeper, much darker version of the revenge tale than we are used to seeing. Right. I mean, it's weird because it's it starts out as like kind of this weird cat and mouse thing. But you realize you realize as once once the plot actually is revealed to you, the cat and mouse is much more like that was just like the taste. Now, here's like the actual reason. Like it's. It's depraved, honestly. Like, I mean, it's an amazing movie and everything, but like the whole getting there is so fucked up. Like, <laughs> I I cannot, it's, I cannot. <laughs> it's well, this is the thing. Like, we go through. So after we kind of get the phone and the game, we go through these. It's like, like the, just, it's like levels, honestly. It's like a video. Well, it, game. it is. It's crazy. Like, so the, the sushi lady brings him into her house. And immediately, Odesu makes a reference to his training for 15 years, just runs into the bathroom and tries to rape this girl. Right. Like, fucking, and this is one of the, this shot to me is is what Old Boy does so well, is it's, again, it's that pulled back Wes Anderson almost looking in a dollhouse moment of just this fucking depravity and feral nature of man. Right. Right, where we all we all live on these rules and societies and this and that. This movie obliterates that, right? Like the capturing of someone for fifteen years and whatever. So now we're just reduced to these basics and this man just I'm gonna get my nut and he just runs in there and it's so fucking frenetic and chaotic as we're just sitting in this wide still shot. Right? Just again, this godlike observance of Is this the best I can do as an almighty <laughs> creator? Like is is this as good as I, I right. think? And it's it's so fucking depraved, but then it's played off. It's almost immediately washed away, right? He goes right. back out and he's like, sorry, I fucked up. That was not cool. And she's just like, I get it. And you're like, what? You get it? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And she's just like, I, I mean, I will eventually. Fuck you. And it's, it's so again, we're immediately showing you the, the damage in her as well. Right. And it's, it's these fucking insane moments because we go from there into the, that I'm going to taste dumplings everywhere, right? Yeah, Until yeah. I find the guys. And then he goes and finds the place. And this is where, this is probably the most memorable and iconic sequence of the film is the the hammer assault. Right. Right? The, the hammer hallway, the I corridor, guess. Is what the corridor. The one, the one take. Um, the, the weapon of choice is fascinating. Yeah. Right? Everything about this scene is great because this is where, so he busts in. He beats this dude up with a hammer, and then he finds the guy who's held him. And we right. see on TVs that there's a lot of these prisoners. Right, yeah. Right? So now this is a much deeper world and game that's unfolding. Duck tapes the guy and proceeds to, holy shit, Ugh. hammers his teeth out one by one. He's like, I'm going to do one for every year I was captured. Ugh. And it, it again, it's just sinking you in. And it doesn't. Even in this moment where there's, I'm going to have my revenge on your teeth. You're like, it doesn't, as depraved and gross as it is, it does, it's still like, there's no, now Oday Sue's like, ah, all better. Yeah, no. Let's call it even. He's fully consumed. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. The character is completely consumed by his revenge. Right. And yeah, so then we break out into the hallway scene. And this is, it is masterful choreography and and violence right because it doesn't again we're pulled back into this god shot and we're not doing this this high dramatized fighting this isn't 
you know, crouching tiger kind of fighting. This is just no, fucking no. down in the dirt, brutal. This is fucking just beating the shit out of people with hammers it's and fucking sticks. drunken master boxing. Like, that's like what it is. Like, these guys are going for it. And not only that, like the way it's shot in this one take is like it's like a video game. Like it's fighting through. It's it's like um, you remember playing like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game where like <laughs> Where it would like right. it wouldn't let you go any further unless you beat a certain amount of henchmen, and then you could keep right. going. Like that's what it is. It's really cool, right? But the one take also does this thing where, well, again, the whole shot itself is it puts us in an unrealistic viewing position, right? Where we're looking at it is not, you know what I mean? It's not true violence. Like a lot of people like the Bourne thing, where it's like I'm in there, I feel like I'm in the fight. This is very pulled back, and it's. It's, you know, um, form over function. You're like, this is exact. You're watching something that is not real, but it makes it almost more real because and this is the beauty of this choreography is so good and precise that it looks unchoreographed. Yeah, it's it's brutal violence. It's getting back up, picking yourself up by the end of the take. They're exhausted. The actors are actually worn out. Ode Sue's got a knife in his back and he's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go fist. Yeah. And it is it is just this guy lashing out at the human race. I love that last in shot this beautiful like we were talking down about. in the dirt. Oh. That last but that's shot. what I mean. It's this beautiful mix of the artistic decision to pull it back and do it in one shot, mixed with the fucking actual sweat and blood yeah. and guts of it. I love when the that last shot where you see like the wake of destruction behind him and then the, uh, right, that's the close-up shot I'm talking right. about, right? So now he, you're in his brain, and he has this fucking smirk that forms. Because the elevator opens, ah. and there's more guys, and you're like, oh, my God. This dude is now, like, it's no longer just revenge. Like, now it's, like, now it's like practice. Oh, he's horny on it, yeah. yeah. Like, he he's getting a chub on just dealing out the punishment that he thinks he's inflicted on anyone in his path. Right. Yeah, and then he fucking crushes all those dudes and the elevator dings and he just walks out and all the dudes pile out of the elevator. <laughs> I love that. I mean, but to me, I'm like, this is one of the all-time best sequences in any movie. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I think what you just hit on is exactly what I noticed too because the, the, the wide shot one take into that extreme close-up of this man's mind and seeing the catharsis, right? He's not healed. No. But he is getting something out of this. Um, to me, that's just the most beautiful visual moment um, to reinforce everything this movie is. I agree. And then it cuts to what becomes also one of the more interesting decisions in the movie is at about the halfway point, he actually meets the captor. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting... It. I mean... It's a really interesting thing because most movies you see, this is not how this goes. But when this happens, this movie goes. It's, I've never seen a movie, not in, I've never seen a, characters in a movie unravel like this in the way that they do. Like, I mean, this is where, when we were talking about the depravity that occurs, like, this just implodes so quickly and, like, so, like, artfully that by the end when like the scene that we're going to talk about happens like holy shit man like the payoff is so shocking it's again like it's 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 brute it's crazy enough to meet the like conceivably the bad guy in the middle of the movie yeah 
And he's just What's this he, kind of very like waif looking very, guy. He's not very a villain basic at all. Looking dude, right? No, just a normal guy. He does like, have a bleach haired henchman. That's usually a bad sign. <laughs> yes. Anytime there's bleach haired henchmen, you know you're in trouble. That's yeah. Always- that's very Bond villainy. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But this is okay. So here, the meeting of this guy is crazy, right? So he's tied up, Mido. Right. And he's like, who the fuck are you? Why would you just let someone in your house? Why have you been talking to this Count of Monte Cristo screen name guy who captured me, right? Right. So he's fucking pissed. Finds out that the guy's been across the street the whole time. Runs over there. Leaves Mito tied up in the room. Confronts the guy. Grabs him by the fucking throat. And the guy just kind of does this amazing moment, right? This fucking big dick energy moment. (laughs) If you kill me now, you'll never know why you were in that room for 15 years. And we've seen, we've already seen the hallway assault. We know that Odesu is dangerous as fuck now. Right, yeah. The guy mentions he's strong. The henchman doesn't even flinch because they fucking know he needs to know. Yeah. And it's this fucking insane moment. And when you see him relent and let go of the guy's throat, you see this this little Asian Legolas looking villain just kind of erect himself and be like, Oh, now I'm going to lay all this shit out for you, right? You got to figure out who I am and why I did this or else I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Uh, You know, if you figure it out, I'll kill myself. You know, if you try to torture me because he gets the hammer again, like, maybe I'll try the teeth thing again. He's like, I had a stop put in my pacemaker. I'll just fucking kill myself and you'll never know. And you're like, holy shit, this guy is maybe more fucked up than Odesu. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like... That's what's so amazing about the movie. Like the movie becomes and it's weird because it's taken me a couple of viewings to realize like what the movie really ends up being about is very. And this is like the like boiled down to its purest form. The movie this the movie ends up being about this moment, particularly when he says, like, if you kill me, you're never going to find out why you were in there. This movie is only about determining the truth. It's not about revenge. It's the truth. Like, that's the crazy thing. And that's what makes this movie such a great revenge movie is that it's not about, like, I'm going to kill this guy for putting me in jail for 15 years. It's I am going to learn why I was put in jail for 15 years. Like, it's amazing. It's incredible. That's a fantastic point, right? Because you hear this a lot in, like, I watch a lot of, you know, serial killer documentaries, murder documentaries, true crime stuff. Right. A lot of what you always hear is there's always this sense with victims of, I just want to know why this happened to me. Right? Why was I the victim of this crime? Why was my daughter killed when she was a good young person? You know what I mean? Why? I always want to know why, why, why? And in this moment, he can just smash the face of the man who did it to him. Right. And walk away. But he can't. Because we as humans can't accept the fact that we, I mean, this is why we invent religions and gods and right. all this is to try to make it all make sense. There has to be a reason and, and for this the is randomness the weird, of the universe. Yeah. And that's the thing. In this movie, we're always so far back in these moments where we're like the god, right? So even on just a, a cinematography level, we're being told that there is a greater purpose to everything, that there is right. someone pulling every string and it will all add up. Um, but yeah, I think I think that is the best. It's this... I just want to understand why. Yeah. Right? It's, As everything that happens, you're like, none of this is okay or normal or should happen. Right. But you never can fucking fully hit that bottom. It's the knowledge. 
like it's the knowledge and the yearning to know. And that's really what that's what keeps. I think that's what keeps Odesu interesting as a character is that he's not there just to kill. Like we see him do it to people who don't mean anything. But when he's confronted with the with the ability to have the knowledge of the truth, that is where he becomes that's where he pulls back. Like he pulls back when someone offers him the ability to know. Like right. he can mindlessly kill the entire lot of whoever shows up, but when someone offers him the ability to have the knowledge, that is where he becomes a person again and he's like, "Okay, I have to know." Like cuz right. if you were really out for revenge, who would give a shit? You just fucking kill the person who did it and you'd be like, "I'm done." Like I don't need to know why you did it. I know you did it and that's Oh enough. yeah, you would just break every bone in his body slowly right. and painfully and Exactly. Yeah, and that's 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 the part of this movie that is hard, right? Because now he he knows the game that's ahead specifically. Right. Uh, runs back across the street, and his girlfriend is getting rape tortured, kind of. Right. Uh, I don't know if they actually say she's raped. She's definitely been definitely been fucked. Uh, declothed, and you know, guys are groping, like horrible shit, sexual right. assault shit. Um, and he's confronted again with fuck. Look what I did. <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's fucking crazy. Cause from there they flee. <laughs> There's this moment of, this is when him and Mito fuck in the hotel. Yeah. So again, we get this moment of, I just want to make you feel good. I, I hope it's all good. Uh, you know, I've been waiting in, oh my God. There's a line in this part too. This, cause I'm assuming everyone listening to this knows how this fucking plot ends. So we're trying to, to do this, you know, kind of chronologically, but. Just There's a it. line when he says, you know, I'm I'm almost glad I was in that cell because I don't know if Mito would have liked the old Odessio. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God. Oh. It's so fucking just barf. Every, and <laughs> you're like, oh I mean, my I God. think that's what happens. In they the finish mi- fucking and he's drying her hair. Yeah. Like he's I, drying her hair. It's like I think oh. that's what happens. In the, and like this is the mastery <laughs> of Park Chan-wok is he knew. That when he knew when you get to the he knows when you get to the end of the movie you're like holy shit I have to rewatch this movie now and watch all of this within context because once the context reveals itself this movie becomes so much more terrifying on so many different levels because of what is revealed you're like oh my god like that in and of itself and what's interesting too is like I take it back actually. He almost makes you not want to have to go back and rewatch it. Like he wants you to just sit and stew in right. <laughs> in the truth because of that last shot with Desu. Like that's the thing that I think about the most is that last image of him like smiling but not really smiling and you're like, "Oh my god." Like there Okay, so this is again, we have this brief moment of love and then a gas mask stalker comes and lays in bed with them. Right. Almost it's almost like he's sitting in a living artwork that he's created. It's so fucking disturbing. Yeah. And again, assume that this is your first viewing and you don't know what the fuck is happening all the way. It's so, it just goes to these fucking levels. Oh God. <laughs> it's, it's uh, okay. So here, so we get past this and then this is when we find out what happened, right? We find out the incident that started this. So there is a girl at a school, right? Evergreen Old Boys is this school, I guess. Right. He went there. The captor went there. 
uh, a girl died there. And we don't know why. He's talking to his his friend, right? The guy who bailed him out at the start owns a creepy-ass internet cafe where he just downs Cheetos all day. <laughs> and he, he's like, yeah, she died. She's a fucking slut, whatever. Right. <laughs> the captor is in the internet cafe and does something that I always wondered if was possible. Breaks a CD-ROM in half and murders someone. <laughs> Kills him. <laughs> right? So now he, he brutally murders the internet cafe guy. And to Ode Sui says, just so you know... You have to know my sister was not a slut. So now we now we've hit another rung. Now we know why he wants revenge. Right. His sister died. And what seems like a suicide. We don't exactly know why. Right. As the mystery keeps unfolding. And this oh my god, this fucking sequence here. So he's brutally murdered the guy in the cafe. There's a shot between him laying there on his stomach with like a little towel over his butt in like a spa position. Right. The camera's slowly pushing in on uh, the captor as he begins to cry a little bit with some classical playing. And we cut back to the fucking rage of Ode Sue and the SUV. Ah, oh, fucking kill ya! Yeah. As this fucking tear slowly rolls down his eyes. So now we don't see him as this all-powerful godlike uh, captor, right? Right. Now we, we've seen him break. Now he's showing some heart. He's not this jigsaw-like master uh you know genius he's just this fucking broken guy and so now we see that this these are two revenge trains on a collision course and this is okay so so then we get deeper right and this is where we find out because odesu when he's captive right he writes in these books he fills two journals with all of his fucking transgressions right, right he's right. a really bad guy so you you start thinking this guy is a piece of shit and now we see him as this feral, horrible human. Right. You start to believe like he must have done something really fucking bad. One of the best sequences of the movie to me is Odesu running through, chasing his older self in memory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To the moment that caused all of this and how mundane his transgression seems. Yeah. I think this is the thing that's like the most... <laughs> it's interesting because... Like when he um, when he goes to when he sees the video feeds of everyone and he finds out why he was put there. Like someone says he was put there for talking too much. So right, you're like, well, that's guy. Like, cause and it's interesting because in the beginning of the movie, you're like, man, yeah, that guy fucking talked a lot in the jail in the jail, and you're like, god damn it, like that guy would not shut the fuck up during the police station. You're like, okay, well, that makes sense. He's kind of fucking. He's kind of he was a dick. Like I get it. Right. Between that and then him filling the notebooks, we're like, this guy's a piece of shit. Right. But he's then, not a good dude. <laughs> but then you, but then you realize what talking too much actually meant, and that is like therein lies like sort of you're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, well, to me, I assumed it was going to be like a, a rape or a pregnancy or something. They yeah. talk about how he had all these women and he didn't protect his women. Come to find out, all it was was he followed this girl that you know he had just flirted with, sees her in a room. Um, and her and her brother are having this very Lannister moment, right? But right. like, like an innocent, like the first Lannister moment, <laughs> you know, not the, not the later at the Stark Tower or whatever. No, Stark no. Tower. Like a very, <laughs> like, Stark Tower. <laughs> like it's a fucking Airbnb. <laughs> but no, so there's this kind of innocence where he's taking pictures of her. He pulls her panties off and she's like, no. And then he goes for her boobs and it's, it's this kind of sweet 
moment of exploration of boundaries. But it seems like it's not coming from a creepy place, you know, like although it's incestuous. Yes. Which is a taboo. There's this this kind of moment. This is one of the very few truly endearing human moments of the film, which is it is just these two young people with this blossoming sexuality who seemingly truly do care for each other. Right. And, and he mentions that later. Right. Despite everything, we really did love each other. Right. Um. And so you see this, and so this is the teenage captor, right? I forget his character name. Jen Wen or something? Uh, so he's yeah. he's the one, so him and his sister were were having this dalliance. Right. And so you see this, this kind of moment of just, you know, we've all been there. Like, it's just this, your sexuality is erupting and, you know, you love who you love and someone loves you back and oh but it's your sister <laughs> right and then she does the weirdest thing where she pulls out a mirror almost to take her attention off of the fact that it's incestual right it, so she's only looking at herself it's like look at me in this moment i found this love but she's she's taking him out of the equation almost and he's looking at her through this camera lens right Obj- so while it plays as this very sweet moment there there is this separation they both are trying to force upon it Right. And all that happens is Ode Su saw that and then mentions it in passing to his buddy. And I think even says like, hey, but keep your mouth shut. Right. And that's it. That's it. So him not doing anything wrong other than, man, I saw this fucked up thing leads to all of the fucking horror show that we have now been sitting through and experiencing. And what I think is fascinating is to how the fuck. To something so seemingly innocuous break so many people. I mean, I think that's like, I think that's one of those great things about the movie is we see all this. It's this movie's so much about contrast. Like, I think that's the thing I love the most about it is everything is so everything is so light and dark. And even in the sense of like, we see all this depravity and all this violence and all this horrible shit happened to Daesu and Wu Jin and everybody that, but the thing that sets this movie off is a passing comment. Like that's like the thing that I think is most important about the movie and kind of the most impressive aspect of the storytelling is that it's the smallest thing. It's like the, it's like the butterfly effect. Like that's what it is. It's the butterfly effect in full force. It's a small butterfly flaps its wings and causes a tsunami 15 years later. Like that's right. And that's, that's what I mean. He wrote two books full of transgressions and he didn't even remember this. Right. I mean, exactly. But, the, and this, this is, it, it's a brilliant example of a revenge tale. Cause it, we do all underestimate the impact of the wake we leave around everyone around us. Right. Right. And, but it's, it's just, Oh my God. But then, so he finds out, Ode Su finds out what happens, and this is the line of the movie to me, which is he's just like, that's it. And she's like, well, we can run away now. We know. Like, we did it. Right. And he's like, no, it can't end like this. Um, vengeance is now a part of me. See, and that's but and that's what it is. Like, he he's still this he's an he's an this like agent of vengeance. Like, that's what it is. It's the, to me, right. the, yeah, that's it's, what the It's movie. the rebirth again, right? Exactly. Like, there is no old Ode Su. Like, he had this all-consuming mission that kept him alive for 15 years. 
I got to do this. I yeah. got to see it through. I have to see this through to the end. And you're like, you might not like what you find at the end. And no, even he if not. he's mildly sympathetic now towards the person who captured him. Sure. But that's like, and, but that's what ends up being the thing is, I mean, that it's something that I think we've found in all of these revenge movies. I mean, maybe not Billy Jack, but <laughs> all the, <laughs> <laughs> all that the, was just stanky foot karate. Baby. Yeah. All these revenge movies. <laughs> All these revenge movies kind of um, become this ultimate test of are you willing or are you not willing to be a product of what consumes you? Like that to me is kind of what revenge movies are all about is like, are you just going to be revenge incarnate or are you going to make your revenge mean something? Are you going to make it worthwhile? Well, also, there's this this brilliant juxtaposition with this example specifically is how small of a transgression ruins your whole life. Right. Right. So there's this you have a life. And just because his sister couldn't deal with it and she killed herself, he could have still gone on and led a life like led a good life. What's the value of that? Right. Versus I'll just give it all away. Odesu could have run away with Mido. Gross, true, fucking disgusting, but he could have done it and been happy, right? There's this, because one bad thing has happened and someone else couldn't bear it anymore, right. the amount of other life that is gone, it's this, it's this just devaluing of the time that any of us have. It's the only thing we have that matters, right? is time. And this movie just says, not really, fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie is for sure... This movie's got like nihilism just pumping through its veins. Yeah. It oh my god. So when he's about to go though, Mido and him share an embrace and she says, "What should I pray for?" And he goes, "Pray that I meet someone younger than Ode Sue next time." You're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay, so this is where All right, let's just get to it. This is where we go to the penthouse. This is where the whole fucking shebang is unraveled, right? The most elaborate revenge plot of all time is laid bare. And it's a million fucking times worse than you could have imagined. Yeah. The first time I watched this, I had absolutely no idea. Like, I figured it would just be. I'm like, eh, I mean, we've seen, like, battle to the death at this point. Like, that's like. Well, in a way, you expect a hallway scene-like bloody finale. This is going to be like a bloody finale, like an amped up version. And (laughs) it just, it delivers on the blood, but kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So here, let's, (laughs) what you find out is he has been hypnotized, right? We found out early when he was in jail that his wife was murdered. They suspected him and a family album was missing. So essentially what we found out is that through hypnotism and him having raised Mido, uh, Mido is actually his daughter. He fucked his daughter. Yep. And that was kind of the bigger end game than the 15 years. He has this great line, which he's like, you missed it so much. You know, why you spent all your time asking why did, were you in imprisoned and not why did I let you out? Yeah. And that is one of those like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a weird point in the movie. I'm assuming this is the only reason this movie has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes because how could you not give this the thumbs up of a movie? I'm assuming this is kind of the sticking point for people is the 
the hypnosis and the fucking the daughter. Uh, <laughs> to me, though, it's such a fucking... I mean, I don't even know what to say about the actual plot. It's so fucking I, mad. It's just yeah, mad. I think that's the thing is like this movie at the very end, the the penthouse thing is just this. Um, it's it's this unraveling of epic proportions. Like you do not see it coming, and things become so depraved so rapidly. He tells the story. He says, "Oh, you totally fucked your kid." By the way, like. It's between yeah, that. Yeah, your tongue got my sister pregnant, not my dick. Yeah. Right? He's like, you did this, so now my revenge was to capture you, lock you up, murder your wife, raise your child, who we see in a cutaway, flapping the fucking wings! <clears throat> flapping the angel wings! <clears throat> oh, my God. <clears throat> and, he, and he shows him the fucking photo album. It's a what's in the box moment, right? What's right. in the box? Yeah. I mean, Pictures of him and his daughter who he's fucked. Everyone always talks about Seven being like this depraved, disgusting movie. Seven is like a fucking My Little Pony direct-to-DVD compared to what happens at the end of this movie. Everyone who dies in Seven, they give you a very good reason why they were chosen yeah. to kill. This guy... Like, <laughs> Except for Gwyneth. This guy but, yeah. told a friend something privately and then told, said, told, told, told them not to say it again. And this guy wound up fucking his kid. And, I mean, it's between that, then, like, Desu, like, just devolves into, like, he does the dog thing, which is... Oh, okay. So Whew. first, yeah, he gets assaulted by the the bleach haired bodyguard is uh odd job style judo master. Right. He's beating his ass. The guy kills his own bodyguard because he doesn't want his game to be over. Yeah. Odesu talks to Mito on the phone. Right? And she's like, There's a box in front of me. He's like, Why did you take her there, you fucking dumbass? I've got you again. He just keeps besting him. Right. And me, he's like, Mito, don't open the box no matter what. Just wait longer. Stop. God damn it. Don't open it. He then turns around and this is, we see this man who's so driven and feral. He's beating up people with hammers. He's just whooping asses. Totally break. There's nothing left. He just fucking devolves and cries and weeps and begs. And then he has a flurry. I'll fucking kill you and eat all your remains. But he goes back. Ignore what I said. I'm your dog. I'm your bitch. Yeah. Look at me. Wag my tail. Licks his fucking boot. Licks his boot. Proceeds to cut his own tongue. Cuts out. his tongue out. Like it's. Meanwhile, this is the shot that makes it though. While you're watching a human at their absolute lowest, most fucking broken. This is what makes this the best version of revenge. No characters ever had revenge as full as this. We pan up and Jin Wen is just laughing into a handkerchief. Yeah laughing he doesn't even have one ounce of empathy or remorse he's not flashing back to oh i went through this kind of moment yeah it is pure fucking glee it's oh god it's brutal man well i was telling you i was trying to write notes on like the shots and this yeah. and that what am i gonna say i just put my pen down i was just like staring at the screen i'm like so very rarely can a movie become cement shoes and drag you down as far as this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's fucking insanity. I had already gotten there and I was just I mean, by that time, like once they got to the penthouse, like I, I had I had not I had looked down at my phone because I take my notes on my phone and I looked down at my phone, and I'm like, I have not written a fucking thing since like <laughs> like I am just so entrenched in watching this occur. I mean, the end of that movie and then so like Oh God! It's just—it's so brutal. Like, there's no you. What you? The most fucking brutal moment, right? 
Jin Wen goes to the elevator. Odesu thinks he left his pacemaker kill switch behind. Right. He pulls it out. Jin Wen's looking at him from the elevator. He presses the button to kill Jin Wen, right? Stop his heart. The pacemaker kill switch is actually the remote control for the audio player playing the audio of him fucking his own daughter. Oh. As she's just begging for the dick. It is so... And that's what I mean. Of all the shit that happens, right? That seems fairly small. It seems like something you can gloss over a bit. Oh, God. That moment to me, the elaborate forethought to be like, I will have this guy have one last glimmer of hope before he just relives himself fucking his daughter in audio assault form. That is the moment I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's fucking madness. You know? And then we cut to the elevator and Jen Wen having done this, reliving the death of his sister, uh, which is a beautiful sequence. Really, really well. But he does he does the what will I live for now and blows his fucking brains out. Yep. And to me, that's the whole movie, right? Is while they devalue humans. Um, this small innocuous moment leads to all of this fucking carnage yeah. and depravity. It's the, I mean, in a way, he's the only one who had a reason to live by the end of the movie. I mean, to me, that's what makes this movie the best revenge movie is you see, again, like I said before, you see the results of all this revenge. All this revenge has been for naught. Like, yes, Wujin gets his revenge completely. Like he fully embraces this like horrible thing that he can do. The to most Desu. fucking revenge ever. Ever. Laughing, cackling. But, Listen to you fuck your daughter. But it ends. And then within one minute, blows his fucking brains out. Because there's nothing. That's how long he needed to savor it to complete his entire work. Yeah. It's a am- crazy it's fucking amazing. moment. It's just. And I mean, like, yeah, like there's a little postscript with all that stuff. And you have like you have this weird hypnotist thing again where Desu goes and tries to get himself hypnotized into not fucking his daughter. But well, no, that's the weird point. Right. Which is he uh, Jin Wen says that. Right. Like, despite everything, we we loved each other, me and my sister. Mm-hmm. Can you and your daughter do the same? And Odesu facing the amazing crushing weight of what has just transpired. Right. Meets the hypnotist. And she says, I was moved by his letter, right? Because he can't speak anymore. Right. He chooses to have all of it washed away so that he can continue to love his daughter. Which, you know, fucking and loving. But in a weird way, this is maybe one of the more fucking insane things we are asked as an audience to examine. This is is a man who lost it all. And this is the only way he can regain some of that familial bond. I don't think he, he'll never fully be her father again. Right. Right. The, the blow drying the hair and this and that, um, he can't be a father per se, but in a way he's the father figure lover, right? Like she's played as this damaged looking for that father that she lost. He chooses this, this fucking horrible game to not have a zero sum. I got to tell you, I don't think he, I think he hallucinated it. I don't think he went to the hypnotist. 
You don't think he ever gets out of that apartment? That last shot of him smiling and like, it's not a real smile. Smiles and then there's the two shot during the credits of them over their shoulder looking out at a bright mountain. It definitely doesn't fit the theme. I really, I think, I think he, I think he knows. I don't think it, I, if he did go to the hypnotist, I don't think it took. And I think he knows that he fucked his daughter. Well, they do the moment where it's, um, you know, hey, who were you here with? Right. So, because it's weird they meet in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's weird that she finds him in the woods. So, I mean, I get you. There, There's that beautiful, like, you and the monster will become separate. The monster will walk and every step he'll age a year and die. And you'll right. be cool. It seems, because that's what I mean. Then it's like a dream and a dream. It's inception-y at that point. But to me, no matter what, Odesu is completely destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, Whether it's the original Odesu or the monstrous version of him, like, he has been so completely unraveled and debased and stripped of every single bit of humanity by this experience. Oh, yeah. It's all because he spread a fucking rumor. Loose slips sink ships, friends. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> well, now think of it this way. This is something we've talked about in other revenge movies. Maybe no other movie sees the, the peripheral characters suffer as much. Yeah. From the quest of revenge is this movie. I think that's the most important part about the movie is that no one is untouched by revenge. No, I mean, just think of, of Mito, right? How she was just a girl who on her birthday lost her father. And look at what became of her life. Yeah. it's And then, because it doesn't seem like it was all bad until he showed up. Yeah. And this is, it's one of the things you look back on after the movie. When she first touches his hand, he fucking passes out. With the live squid writhing in his mouth still. Right. Or octopus. You're just like, what a fucking brilliant moment. The movie's littered with those on a on a repeat screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, to me, this is just the absolute pinnacle of revenge movies. No high concept pays off the concept better than this movie. I agree. Um, and it, it is this total examination of the the horrible fucking things we do and inflict upon each other and the total lack of reverence we have for life itself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, it's, it works twofold. It's the high concept of the lengths people will go to, to seek revenge. And then on the other hand, it shows you the end result of that revenge coming to fruition, which is, it's kind of all for naught. Like it doesn't matter because yeah, at the end you, you yes, pull you, off the you, most elaborate revenge ever and you just kill yourself in an elevator. <laughs> you get you got you got your revenge and then you realized at the end you have nothing else to live for, so you fucking blow your brains out. Like that's I think I think that's the lesson you pull from the movie completely is you got what you wanted and now you're left with you. Like you're left with whoever you are at the end of this. Yeah, I mean, especially Jen Wen was a character who was living for love. Yeah. And then when that was taken, all he had left was this thing. Yep. And at the end, he had neither. It's And it's it's almost like it's if, if Ode Su does make that hypnotist decision, he chose love again, which is an almost optimistic way to look at it, even though it's fucking disgusting and repulsive <laughs> in a way. But, uh, man, I there's just – this is the thing. Park Chan-woo – is such a fucking talented filmmaker. If you've never seen Thirst or Stoker, Snowpiercer obviously was a little more commercially successful. Um, his movies are so good. The Handmaiden, did you ever see that? 
Uh, no, it's on streaming though. Holy shit, it's so good. I would love to do that on this See, this uh, yeah, show. I think part, but he just he gets so fucking deep into the the parts of us that we wish were not. Yeah, um, and in a beautiful way, he's willing to explore a lot of stuff. And again, like this goes throughout the other two Vengeance movies too. Like I actually watched Lady Vengeance in college in a class, which I thought was. Pretty shocking, honestly. I was like, I can't believe we're watching this. But because Lady Vengeance has, like, as shocking and brutal as Old Boy is, Lady Vengeance is the third volume of the, like, the third installment of the Vengeance trilogy. And that, that movie, that movie's ending has another, like, fucking brutal ending where you're like, holy shit. Like, there is, there is something deep, there's something deep inside Park Chan Walk. Regarding these uh, revenge movies that he was just like, I am going to fuck with everyone. Hardcore. It's, it's crazy. But this movie, the way I would sum it up to someone, right, is you watch the detached, pulled back stage version of this visceral violence, right? Like right. the hammer shot. Mm-hmm. And then the way he fucking pulls the camera in tight. And we just watch Ode Sue as he presses that pacemaker button and the audio of him fucking his daughter starts. You're like... This fucking guy is a master of the death by a thousand cuts. Like that the the fucking pull back and forth between this godlike, you know, neutral perspective that makes the violence somewhat tolerable into the fucking carnage of just that audio. Yeah. It is I mean it's yeah, awesome. I don't know how this movie only has an eighty percent. I don't I don't know, maybe people hold against it the kind of gimmickiness of the plot. Because that's what I told you. It's weird that a movie so fucking heavily hinges on hypnotism. Yeah. And does not fall apart at all for me. (laughs) I mean, for something, yeah, for something that gimmicky, I think it's because the movie is so resolute in its intention that eventually, that there's no way, that's what it is. The movie is so intentional and the movie is so resolute in what it wants to convey as far as the story goes. Something as minute, really, as hypnosis and something as like gimmicky as that becomes so irrelevant in the face of everything else that occurs in the movie. Like the movie. Be- yeah, because your journey is is through the the heart, not as much the mind. Exactly. Old boy, watch this fucking movie. Oh, my God. What so good. The fuck. It's so funny because when I was rewatching it, I made a couple minutes in. I was like, I thought I remembered this movie being a little better. Yeah. Right. And then once it gets going, you're just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. What was I? It is what such was I a fucking stunning movie. Yeah. Like just uh, absolute fucking jaw dropping, soul crushing. Ugh. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Check out more of his shit. We're going to try to do more of his shit on the show. Definitely. His movies are phenomenal. His movies are awesome. Uh, that's it, guys. The pod has taken revenge. What will we live for now? <laughs> I'll tell you. It's Nicolas Cage. That's what we live for now. <laughs> Uh, join us this month, guys. This is the pod gets cage. We're doing Nicolas Cage movies. Please send us your suggestions uh, for which Nicolas Cage movie we are remiss to have missed that you would like us to cover. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, share the show with a friend, watch Old Boy with them, and then share this episode. Yes, please share uh, follow- Old Boy with a friend. Yeah, please do that. If not this show, at least Old Boy. It deserves it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and guys, follow us on the Letterboxd app. We have the Film Alchemist podcast list so you can stay ahead of the curve 
uh, abreast of all the movies we have coming up. A lot of great shit. I'm staring right now at our list. You guys should be paying us all the monies. We're we're doing the guy. We're doing the Lord's work for you guys. If you guys like fun stuff, by the way, I will have Film Alchemist stickers at the Long Beach Comic Con. Tro tro tro. Good stuff, guys. Uh, man, I'm like exhausted and sad just having even talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it, guys. Double feature coming up this week. If you are a chronological listener. We're doing a sexy fish monsters from the deep. I'll try to come up with a snappier name. Uh, the lure and humanoids from the deep will be our Friday night double feature this week. Get hot. So get to watch it and stay tuned. Get hot. From the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace, bitches. <laughs>